0: We are going to kind of stay on topic now for a little while, just a few thoughts about remembering. It's kind of a miraculous thing, isn't it, when you think about it, that this squidgy mass between our ears has this capacity to remember, recall, store. Thousands, millions of little moments in time, our lives are full of this scattered kaleidoscope of the memories that make us who we are. So, here's a question What is your earliest memory? What's the, uh, the oldest thing that you can remember? One or two of you, do you want to give me your earliest memory? Michelle, what's yours? You can't remember. <laughs> who, who thinks they can? They've like an identified thing when you, where you think that must be. That must be my oldest memory, right, Janice? What's yours? Playing the pots underneath the table in the kitchen. Playing the pots underneath the table in the kitchen as drums. Who would have bet that Janice's earliest memory would be mischief? Would be. <laughs> would be making a racket. Anybody else? One more. Can you remember your earliest, earliest memory? Who can remember your. Oh, yeah. Yes? My goodness. And you remember you actually. In hospital when you were three years old. I was about to ask can anyone remember anything before? school. So uh, stick up your hands if you have an early memory, which is like before even nursery school. Stick up your hand if you can remember nursery school. Can anyone remember where you went to nursery school or how you started? Can anyone remember your first day at school? Put up your hand. Oh, okay. Now we're kind of getting into the, uh, right. Or I'm sure you can all, you all have little memories of primary school, but isn't it really Uh, interesting to kind of go through the files that are stored away in your brain and realize all these little moments are in there. Now, the fascinating thing is, why do we remember that one specific thing of all of the memories of all of the minutes that you lived in those first couple of years of life? Why does Janice remember uh, playing the pots? I suppose remembering the hospital is probably uh, an understandable thing. You remember the big events, but those little kind of daily, everyday, unconsequential unremarkable things that you remember from your early life? Why do some memories stick and why do some of them not? And while that's true for your earliest memories and your childhood memories, isn't it true in adult life as well. Why can we remember some things and not others? Why can I remember the words to every Whitney Houston pop song from the 1980s, but forget the name of the person who has just introduced themselves to me 30 seconds ago, and I've been standing talking to them, and they see that blank look come over their face when I think, oh, I've forgotten your name already. Uh, why do some things stick, and why do they not? Uh, theres uh, uh, It's almost like there's a little filing system in Inside your brain and you wish you could tell it. No, get rid of all that useless information. I don't necessarily want to remember the titles of every single episode of Doctor Who in strict chronological order. I want to remember this person's name. But the filing system in some ways almost seems to have a mind of its own. Uh, There's a brilliant quote uh, from the writer Cormac McCarthy uh, in in his book The Road. He says, you forget what you want to remember and you remember what you want to forget. And while that is true of those little consequential details and facts and pieces of information, isn't it also so true of the experiences that we go through in life? You forget what you would love to remember, the joys and the triumphs and the things that are inspirational and encouraging and you remember what you want to forget. The embarrassments and the mistakes uh, and the regrets keep coming back at you with unwanted clarity when you least want them to. Uh, What to do about it all? Well, there's a brilliant passage. We're going through the book of Philippians uh, at the minute, as you know, and there's a really interesting little phrase uh, in this portion of our reading today from Philippians 3. Paul is saying, not that I have already obtained all this or arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, and I love this next bit, this honesty says, I'm a little bit of a work in progress. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead i press on toward the goal to win the price for which god has called me heavenward in christ jesus and what an interesting little phrase on remembrance sunday isn't it almost strange on remembrance sunday to be looking uh, at a line of scripture that says forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead now when Paul says forgetting there, I don't think he means just ignoring the past. I don't think he means just sort of casting it all, all away and saying it's, uh, it's, it's all nothing. Uh, in fact, That would be daft he has just spent the first three chapters of philippians looking back he has told the story of what jesus did and coming to earth and living and dying and rising again he's looked back to that past of who god is and what jesus did he's looked back to the past of his own life he's gone through the whole stories of his upbringing and his status and uh, uh, all the things that he has done in his life the things that make him who he is But then having looked to the past, he then says, I'm not defined by that past. I'm not stuck in it. I'm not trapped by it. I'm not focusing on it. Instead, I'm straining toward what is ahead. And so it seems to me that he is almost doing the opposite of that little phrase. Rather than forgetting what you want to remember and remembering what you want to forget, it seems to me that Paul is saying, how do we forget what we want to forget and remember what we want to remember. Wouldn't that be an awesome way to live? It probably would. How do we do it? Well, three little suggestions that I want to give you this morning about ways that we can remember what we want to remember. The first of them is to tell stories, to tell important stories, to be storytellers. Um, Can I give you an example by telling you a story? Right, so we were on holiday in the summer up at Bushmills, and we took a lovely little walk. Do you know that bit along by Bushmills, along by the river, along by the little salmon fishery. When all of a sudden, uh, this woman rushed over to me, saying, "Can you help me? Can you help me?" Now, uh, can I be honest and say that from the moment she appeared in my life? she was given off those kind of crazy lady vibes uh, and i was kind of like taking a little step back uh, i guess, oh Sam, no no please no um, i wasn't even wearing the collar which is sometimes a, a crazy person magnet but the the, the the vibes were still coming through loud and clear but said can you help me can you help me i need a net and i thought a net i said um uh, my my cat is in the river uh, so I thought, well, you may be a crazy lady. And the net, I'm not sure. Uh, but a cat. I will jump into action and come to the rescue of a cat. Now, uh, there was another guy uh, just nearby me on a, um, a mobility scooter. And he said, amazing, he said... I have a net. So he zoom zipped off in the mobility scooter, went into one of the little houses down by the uh, salmon fishery and came back out with a little kind of like a fishing net. So I ran over to the river. zoom. He zoomed over to the river on his mobility scooter. Um, uh, Other people were starting to gather uh, at this stage as well. The crazy lady was still running around. Help us, help us. Uh, Her little boy, I think a little child, was over on the far side of the river saying, there it is, there it is. Uh, And this whole group of people were all starting to, uh, to gather together. There were some workmen who were having their lunch nearby. Uh, they came over as well. So whew, the guy with the mobility scooter zoomed down to the side of the river. One of the workmen went over and tipped the net uh, and the wee boy was going, there it is, there it is. And we were all saying, what's this? The cat, where's the cat in the river? What are we going to do? Uh, so I went over and stood beside the little boy because I could see where he was pointing. I could see a shape. I could see there was something there. It wasn't moving, and I was thinking, this story is not uh, going to turn out well. Uh, so everyone was running over on the far side of the river. I was standing with the wee boy, uh, pointing them in the right direction. The guy with the net actually got to the point he couldn't quite reach over with the net, so he, he pulled his trousers up to his oxters uh, and actually waded right up into the weeds and the fronds at the side of the river, reached out to where we were pointing, reached over to this little unmoving shape, this unmoving thing that was in the rushes and lifted up a pink baseball cap. So uh, I don't know if in the flurry of the moment, the woman had meant to say, my cap is in the river or my hat is in the river. And somehow the cap and the hat had become a cat. But (laughs) uh, with a simultaneous sense of unbelievable relief and also, what? Uh, the, uh, the baseball cap, which looked like it probably cost 99p in a, in a, in a tat shop, uh, was, was handed back to the lady, quite happy. She seemed to be not fazed at all that this amount of panic had, uh, had happened over the, uh, over the lost hat. She popped it, uh, back on her head. The guy was still standing there in, in the, in the river with his, uh, <laughs> with his trousers rolled off and all we, uh, uh all rolled up. All we went, uh, back to our, the rest of our lives now why do I tell you this story? (laughs) Yeah, why? There's a reason. (laughs) I, a month or two later, have already forgotten almost all of the details of that holiday. If you asked us where we ate, where do we go out for dinner, where do we go for a walk, what do we do? I have a few vague memories, but nothing very specific. In a year or two years or five years or 10 years time, I will have forgotten all of the other details of that holiday but I will never forget I dine out on that story I have retold that story with great joy many's the time and the more I tell that story the more it becomes unforgettable the more it gets lodged in my memory banks and that is just the way stories work retelling them make them uh, more vivid with even a little bit of science on this. Retrieving a memory is actually one of the best ways you can boost your memory because every time you remember something, the neural path to that memory gets stronger, making it even easier for you to recall it again and again. So every time I'm telling that story, a little neural pathway somewhere in my hippocampus, is that the right word, is strengthening and making sure that that memory is lodged. And so if we want to remember what we want to remember, we need to keep telling the stories of the things that we want to remember. And this idea is through the Bible from start to finish. When the Israelites have crossed the Red Sea in the book of Exodus, Moses says to them, keep telling this story, tell it and retell it. Uh, Write it uh, as a symbol on your foreheads. He even says a physical reminder, uh, a physical retelling of this story. Jesus told stories rather than trusting us to remember wadges of theology and, and philosophy. He told stories about Good Samaritans and lost sheeps and, uh, and prodigal sons, uh, knowing that somehow the story, a story that we could retell and remember would lodge in our brains and our understandings, uh, so much more deeply. And that is what remembrance someday is all about, isn't it? We remember, we retell the stories that we want to remember. And as we sing those songs, as we listen to the trumpet, as we pray those prayers, uh, as we go through that kind of liturgy every year, stories that we want to remember, we need to keep retelling them. So to remember what we want to remember, we retell the stories. And then number two, we trust our senses. Now, this is an interesting thing. Memories sometimes... They're not just an it's not just an intellectual thing. They're not just head knowledge. Sometimes they take in sight and smell and sound and taste. Uh, in some ways, our entire soul, our entire being is involved in the recalling of a memory. I have brought along with me this morning um this um as I'm sure you all know and are fed up of hearing me talk about, a few years ago, Susan and I took a big year out in our camper van. Um, one place that we visited was Grasse in the south of France where they make um, lots of perfumes. It's the sort of the, the scent capital of the world. And so we decided to treat ourselves um, to a few smellies um, you maybe didn't know that about me. You thought, you know, raw testosterone, you know, all man, I really like things that smell nice. So at Fragonar in grass, we got ourselves uh, a few little kind of char uh, gels and soaps and perfumes and sprays and moisturizers and all kinds of things. We then kept using them when we were away in the camper van because there's something really luxurious about being in a camper van with really quality smellies. It just that's proper glamping. You're not roughing it when you've got this stuff. So we used it for the whole rest of the trip. And then I found this little bottle of this moisturizer uh, again a couple of weeks ago in the camper van. I put it on again when I smell that smell I'm not standing here in Beaver talking to you on a rainy remembrance Sunday morning I am in Granada or Cordoba or Seville with the almond blossoms on the trees and the church bells ringing in the distance and a little cobbled street leading down to the town that's, it's like Time travel—it's uh, in every single way. Every neuron of my brain is sparking off to bring me back to that place and time. Now, for some of you, it might be a smell or a scent. For some of you, it might be a piece of music. Uh, It might be a song. It might be something that you hear or smell or taste. It might be a particular meal that you remember your granny cooking you when you were little. But we have all these sorts of ways of engaging, not just our brains, but our sights, sounds, tastes, smells, every single um, uh, sense to actually go down that wormhole Travel back in time. Senses are powerful in remembering what we want to remember, what wondrous beings we are, that that's the way that it all works. Sometimes it's involuntary. Sometimes, uh, you know, we kind of get rugby tackled by a memory that we didn't particularly want to have because the smell or the song or the whatever it is uh, triggers it. But sometimes we can voluntarily make choices to actually invest in those senses. We have choices in the songs we listen to, the tastes we eat, the experiences, the sensations. Uh, Worship is one of them. It's powerful. Songs uh, can move us in all sorts of unexpected ways. Maybe you even found that this morning as we sang, Oh God, Our Help in Ages Past. Something about the sound and the experience of singing that song. We're here singing it but also it brings us back to remembrance days past. It brings us back maybe to the people that we are remembering or the experiences that we are remembering today. Communion uh, is a big one, uh, that when we take the little piece of bread and drink the wine as part of a communion service, we're eating bread and drinking wine in the present, but we're also connecting in some ineffable, mysterious, wonderful way to the whole history of Christianity, to the experience of being forgiven and set free by the body and blood of Jesus, uh, it is affecting us in all sorts of profound ways beyond the simple fact of the little cube of bread and the little sip of wine in the present. And you might like to know, just in case you're thinking, well, that's a bit mean to tell us all about that, when for the last year and a bit we haven't been able to have communion because of, uh, of all of the kind of pandemic restrictions, you might like to know that we are getting back to a point where carefully and with all sorts of safety measures in place, we're going to be able to take communion again in the near future. Next Sunday evening, am I right? And then the following Sunday morning, which is the first Sunday of December, are going to be communion services. And so if that is a way of using your senses to remember something really important that is very meaningful to you, that is kind of coming back into our church life again, which is really cool. And again, Remembrance Sunday, again, we're using not just uh, head knowledge, but all of our senses. When we listen to that last post on the trumpet and the Revali, does anybody else find there's something going on? above and beyond just listening to a piece of music. There's something powerful about it. We close our eyes uh, and we can almost see um, trenches and uh, war. Uh, we, we, we we just, we're there and yet we're here and I'm quite sure for any, especially when um, the, uh, the First and Second World War were in living memory, I'm sure when soldiers stand at war mem- memorials on Remembrance Sunday and listen to the last post again, you're simultaneously here, but also there. Our senses are powerful uh, and they they bring the past alive in all sorts of important ways. And so it's important for us to use the choices in what we experience uh, to remember what we want to remember. And then finally, so if retelling our stories, using our senses helps us to remember what we want to remember, uh, the final thing to say this morning is that remembering is school it teaches us when we look to the past we have to look at it with the attitude that we want to learn from this we want to be shaped by this uh you remember that right the way through the pandemic we kept using this little phrase every day is a school day and that's true right the way through our lives we've learnt all sorts of stuff. But just like our school lessons, we don't want to forget them. All those school days, we don't want them to be, uh, uh, to just go to waste. It would be foolish to forget all the lessons that we've learnt uh, throughout our lives. Have you ever said the phrase, I bet you have, I won't make that mistake again. I bet you every single one of us has said that, and we could have a very interesting time going around. Every single one of us saying, Well, what made you say that? What had you done that you thought, Oh, <laughs> I've learnt that now, I'll not make that mistake again. Um, but that is using our memories to learn using our memories as uh, school days. Uh, there's a brilliant Thomas Edison quote uh, where he said in the uh, in his um, journey to inventing the light bulb, he did not fail, he just found 10,000 ways that didn't work. Uh, And so every single one of those was a learning experience. Now, when we learn from the past, when we look to the past to teach us and inspire us and change us in the present, we need to do it carefully. And we need to do it wisely. Remember, history is written by the winners. And so there is sometimes a few pitfalls to look into the past. You know, the past can be used uh, as a weapon. It can be used as a club to beat people with. uh, Dreams of empire or um, uh, hankering after a golden age that maybe never was. The past can also be a warning. Sometimes when we look to history, we see the things that we say never again. That must not be allowed to happen again to me, or nationally, or globally. We try to take those lessons seriously and not make the same mistakes again. The one thing we can't do as we look back to the past is to just ignore it, to just say it has nothing to teach us and nothing to tell us. Uh, There's that brilliant quote by uh, Santayana, uh, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And as true as that is for everyone and everywhere throughout the world, I think there's maybe a little extra shiver of poignancy for that quote for us here in Northern Ireland, for all that we have lived through over past decades. And you might remember that that quote was actually up on a wall in uh, East Belfast uh, by the mural of David Irvine. Those who forget the past are condemned to repeat it. Uh, I sent my little roving reporter out during the week to find, uh, to see if we could get a more recent photograph of that, and he found, believe it or not, did anyone know this, uh, that mural has been painted over. So, um, I, I, those who forget the quote about those who forget the past, I think that's a little sort of double layer of despair in there, but isn't that really interesting uh, and quite challenging? Uh, um, yeah I'll just leave that thought with you and um, the really important thing to take out about it is that the past isn't just there uh, to warn us or to condemn us or to um, to be seen as a really negative thing that we have to fix the past can also be there to inspire us think back to who has Who has encouraged you in your life? Who has been part of making you who you are today? Who has been part of building you up? Who has spoken words of life and truth? Uh, who has um, enriched your life, those are the things you need to remember. Those are the people you need to remember. And at the risk of jumping the gun and spoiling next week's sermon, which is going to be on Philippians 4, uh, this is a little uh, quote from the very end of Philippians. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about it such things and every time something that looks like that is in your life in your past in your memory in your experience those are the stories to keep retelling those are the senses to keep re-experiencing those are the school days to keep remembering so so to forget what you want to forget and remember what you want to remember. I kind of realized once I sort of put all of this together, I've almost always uh, completely been talking about remembering what you want to remember because um, if anybody here knows how to forget what you want to forget, uh, please tell me. <laughs> I, I would love to know. Uh, but as we look to the past on Remembrance Sunday, as we think about what it is to remember, what a powerful thing it is to remember, let's commit before God that we will not, like St. Paul, we will not be tied down or focused on or trapped by the things that have happened to us in the past. We will forget what we want to forget. But everything that is good and pure and true and uplifting, everything that teaches us, everything that inspires us, everything that builds us up, we will remember what we want to remember on this Remembrance Sunday. Let's just uh, close our eyes for a little moment and pray that together. Lord, when I say I want to forget what I want to forget, that's not a small thing. There are regrets and mistakes and heartbreaks in my life, which I would love to just wipe away. I'm not sure that that's an easy thing, But I trust you, Lord, that you will keep just working to heal and redeem. And just be with me, even in the memories that I would prefer to forget. That you would be there in those parts of my past that need your healing touch. And today, Lord, on this Remembrance Sunday, I pray that in the stories that I tell in the learnings that I try to really internalize and keep and uh, and act on, in the things of my life that I want to remember. I pray that you would save those things from drifting away uh, amidst a, a cloud of other trivial things which just are clogging up the pipes. Uh, I pray that you would help me remember not just what I want to remember, I would help. pray that you would help me Remember the things that are worth remembering in my life and in my faith and in my walk with you. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.